Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here we go. 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 This is it. Hello and welcome to Top Flight Time Machine with me, Andy Dawson, and him, Sam Delaney. Oh yeah. It's the podcast where we look back at the full and rich history of the English Premier League one season per episode and today sees us looking back at 1995 to 1996 and here comes a sound effect that we stole from YouTube in an attempt to sustain the illusion that we're actually in a time machine. Yes! Here we are. We made it alive. England. We're wearing anoraks indoors. Anoraks, I'll tell you what was a big look, and I actually, you know, did do this quite a lot, which is, I suppose, embarrassing to admit, but fuck it, I didn't care, I was young. I did wear an anorak and sunglasses indoors. Um, in Regularly? Discos. I'd not, not sunglasses all the Sunglasses in a disco? In, yeah, in a club, because every, everyone was going around like that. And I'd you might have been a, in London, yeah. An, an anorak and um, some sunglasses because everyone was going around acting like a, a rock star. Really yeah, like listen. Some freak from Miami I don't, Vice. I don't think it's great. No, it was sort of like an Oasis-inspired look. And night it was, clubs, were nightclubs not already dark enough without having to put and sunglasses Listen, mate, on of course it was stupid, but, you know, if you don't do these things when you're, when you're a youngster... Then, You've got no anecdotes later on. Well, you know, then, then I'd have to do it now, and I'm forty. I'm a forty-three-year-old father of two. It wouldn't it would be crisis. Wouldn't I'd it? have the kids taken away from me. Yeah, quite rightly so as well. We're mm. looking at ninety-five, ninety-six today, and what I've got to say to you, basically, at the beginning of this, is sexy foreigners, Sam. Well, sexy foreigners. I'm going to give you a short list of sexy foreigners. Uh, yeah, go on then. Rude Hullet. Sexy it doesn't foreigner. come any sexy. Well, actually, De- hang on. Dennis Bergkamp, sexy mm, foreigner. Yeah. Georgie Kinkladzi. Oh. Tiny sexy foreigner. Yeah. Uh, David Ginola. Sexiest foreigner of all. Of all time. Yeah. And David Platt, mm. who returned from Italy. But he had, he, he'd gone from being, a, a, you know, a, a dreary suburban type fella yeah. to uh, returning from his Italian adventure. Yeah. He suddenly seemed so impossibly sophisticated. Mm, started Just using long words all and things it like that. T- yeah, all it took was a couple of years. I think he played for Bari and then Juventus and Sampdoria, didn't he? And he did very well there. And when he yeah. came back, you were just... He was so, transformed, I was he? so enamoured by him. He just yeah. seemed like I would have... Just believed anything he'd said on any subject. I think it was David Platt that brought pesto onto these shows. Of course shows it was. When he'd he never seen pesto Italy. before we had he had no pesto back. before that. He had his own brand like Lloyd Grossman. Platt's pesto. Platt's pesto. <laughs> it's right St- gradely. <laughs> yeah. Stick it on your chips. Stick it wherever you want. <laughs> Stick it up your ass. <laughs> August. Manchester City. Hang on, I've just remembered another good uh, David Platt thing. <laughs> Go on. What a refreshing tactic. Do you remember that? Yeah. He did an advert for Tic Tacs mm. and he was doing kick-ups with the box of Tic Tacs and he went, Tic Tacs, what a refreshing tactic. Brilliant bit of advertising yeah. work there. Manchester City. Um, we'd seen the back of Brian Horton and in came Alan Ball. 
with his flat cap and his and high-pitched his big voice and his high-pitched voice. Uh, he narrowly avoided getting relegated with Southampton the season before, purely thanks to Matt Letizia's antics of choosing to score a goal whenever he wanted. Whenever he chose. And for some reason, Manchester City thought, that's the man we want to take us forward in yeah. our Premier League odyssey. Peculiar. Um, so that was the first interesting thing. Well, it wasn't. It was the second, because the sexy can, foreigners were the can, first can interesting Can I just thing. say now, before you, you know, I know you've got more to say, but I, I, I think really. I said now, I think that this... When I was reading over the the you know the notes that you had done as a, a you know an aid memoir for us, mm-hmm. I think this is the best Premier League season of all time in terms of not you know not just the football, but in terms of I suppose my memories of of it, the amount of excitement and yeah. incident that and the characters involved yeah. and all the rest, of it, and the fact they ended with Euro '96, all of these things. I think this is the the quintessential 90s Premier League season. You could season. be right. I think it's when the Premiership, as they were still calling mm. it, I think it's when the Premiership sort of started to become the Premiership that we know and all the money was flooding yeah. in and foreigners were coming in left, right and centre and making it all exotic and exciting and all of that. Um, and it was it was heralded by a, a trailer from Sky Sports where they uh, played Queen's One Vision mm at the start of the season. You know that trailer they had every year where they'd have short film of yeah. players doing things. Still do it now, don't and in, they? In this one, the, the top players that were of the day were um, seen weightlifting on the rowing machine. Andy Townsend, was he of one of them? Yeah. Did you I watch I think it? Duncan Ferguson had his shirt off. Duncan, yeah, uh, Richard, Richard Keyes was there making a circle out of the thumb and forefinger of his left hand and repeatedly poking yeah. the forefinger of his he, right hand he, he in and out of the hole. He did, but with a really honest look on his face. Yeah, I think that happened. He didn't have his shirt off, did he? Keys didn't have his oh, shirt off. Thank God he for had that. his blazer on. Mm. Um, something else that I saw as well when I was looking at old footage of this, there's a grip bit of footage of Alex Ferguson and Kevin Keegan walking off at the end of a match at Old Trafford, and they're both beaming and kind of laughing and sharing a joke with each other because they just know that they're the cocks of the fucking walk Yeah. in 95-96. And I imagine that Ferguson's just saying to, to, to Keegan, we're the cocks of the fucking walk, me and you, Kev. <laughs> that's what we are. And um, that's just and, an excuse for me to slip in me, Alex Ferguson. And it, he's going, early doors. we're like two cocker spaniels chasing, chasing a, piece a piece of, of silver, silver paper, paper on the wind. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Keegan's like, you're not wrong, at Sir You're Alex. quite right there, Sir Alex, yeah. <laughs> This hole in the corner justice does not belong in the Premiership 1995. So that the season kicked off and the big news was that the defending champions Blackburn were rocked on their heels when their manager Kenny Dalgleish jacked it in. Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah, it was a, it was sort of he, he had a Stunning habit of that, doing that. Well, he did, he? yeah. It was almost as if he got off on it a little bit. Yeah, he just thought, job done, I'm off. I'm well, I mean, it. obviously Liverpool, it was a bit more kind of tragic circumstances because he was he couldn't handle he, he was under a lot of stress post Hillsborough. Yeah, but yeah, Blackburn, he was just like, see you later, mate. I'm leaving Ray Harford in I'm charge. Ray in charge. See you all later. Hey, can you imagine being a Blackburn player if you'd been lured to the club? I mean, you know, Blackburn, it's not the most exciting part of the world. It wasn't the biggest stadium. You've gone stadium. to play for King Kenny. You've gone to play for King Kenny. And it's it's worked out. You've won the league. But then he's just fucking left you. Stranded with Ray Harford. With Ray Harford in the darkness of Lancashire. What are you going to do? Why, did they, why didn't they... Why did they give it to Ray Harford? 
That's the peculiar thing. I think Dalglish probably insisted it, on it. It took them by surprise that Dalglish had left. And they thought, oh, well, Ray Harford was, well, was complicit in us winning the league. Dalglish was still around. He was the director of football. Oh, I see. But I don't think he did anything. I think it involved mainly kind of enjoying the hospitality on a Saturday dinner time and pie and chips. Well, Ray Harford, um, very quickly, I mean, not this season, but it wasn't long afterwards that they went down. It was the season afterwards, yeah. wasn't it? Or two seasons afterwards. Don't often see that, a team who that recently won the league going down. No, indeed. Um, so that was Blackburn, so we'll see how they fare later in 95-96. Spoiler, they don't do very well. Um, oh, that's reminded me. I, I I once put 120 quid on Blackburn to win a match in that what? season. What? Why? Right, it was it was the day before Pier Day. Right. Blackburn were away at Rosenborg yeah. in the Champions League. Who's going to win that? It's going to be Blackburn, isn't it? Champions of Britain with fucking yeah. Shearer and Sutton. And all of that. Yeah. I had 120 quid left in my bank account before payday. Oh, fucking hell, And I Andy. thought, I'm going to chuck it all on Blackburn to win. 2-2. Two, 2-2 two. Two, two it was. Well, was Desmond. Was, this how, was that a fair reflection of how you were living your life back then? With that kind of well, mad, well, was, cavalier was, was irresponsibility? It was, it was the Britpop years, wasn't it? It was, it was yeah. Magazine, all that. I had a swagger about yeah, me. Yeah, you had your anorak in, and your sunglasses on. I was working in our price. Yeah. I was I was living in a box room at my mum and dad's. I forgot you were working in our price. You're, you're swaggering into bloody lab brooks. Yeah. Like Liam Gallagher, and it, throwing that, wads of money at them, going, yeah. oh, st- yeah, you know, stick the lot, stick the lot on Blackburn. <laughs> I've got a good feeling about them. <laughs> <laughs> Almost veered into Jimmy Savile a little there bit. Is, so. Well, there is a fine line a between fine Liam line. Gallagher and Jimmy, Jimmy Savile. This, this is it. <laughs> you won't win anything with kids. There's a phrase. Yeah. There's a phrase that was uttered on the first day of the season by uh, Sir Alan Hansen. When um, Alex Ferguson fielded six players under the age of 20 at Aston Villa and they got humped 3-1. That summer, Ince, Kanchelskis and Mark Hughes had all departed Old Trafford and uh, all them kids came in. Mickey the Nevilles, but Giggs was already there, Sharp was already Beckham. there. Beckham. Beckham came in and anyway, there were six of them under the age of 20 and it looked, you know, they looked, they looked nailed on for relegation. They looked as if they were going to finish below Blackburn, to be quite honest. But it didn't work out like that, I did mean, it? yeah, that is almost... Of all the different successes Alex Ferguson had and all the different teams he built and the eras, that, where he kind of rebuilt an already successful team, but simply by having the balls to bring in the whole youth team. Regenerated. And, um, and, and not, not... It didn't take long. Immediately, like, winning the league uh, with them. Yeah. Is just probably his greatest achievement of all. What I have for you is six cocker spaniels. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was that kind of thing. That's um, what he went in and said to um, Martin Edwards. What <laughs> I need is very simple. I need not one, but six cocker spaniels <laughs> and a whole host of silver paper. But in human form. <laughs> Bring them to me. Um, up in Newcastle. Les Ferdinand, I almost said Rio Ferdinand there, oh my God. Les Ferdinand signed for Newcastle from Queen's Park Rangers for £6 million and banished the ghost of Andy Cole once and for all. He was an overnight sensation. He was. I believe he scored a hat-trick on his debut. Yeah, I I, did, I, yeah. I remember watching that game. They had a fantastic away shirt as well, Newcastle. That was the, Yeah, that was the It's a the bit like a rugby shirt blue. in a way, yeah. Hooped thing with yeah. the Newcastle Brownie logo and he was, in front of it. He was an he was at an he was good at QPR. He immediately became extremely awesome. good at Newcastle. Yeah, 
brilliant, yeah. brilliant play to watch in his pomp as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was definitely better than Andy Crawford in Newcastle. Yeah, I reckon definitely. In my opinion, better player. Yeah. So that was that Tony Yabor signed for Leeds and immediately scored that goal. Yeah, that rattled I in. Vividly remember watching that one. Crossbar yeah. and Yabor um, put that down to eating lots of Yorkshire puddings. Yeah, that was what he said was the secret behind his success. Um, to prove that Manchester City weren't the only team to make a ridiculous managerial appointment, David Pleat arrived at Sheffield Wednesday. Peculiar appointment. David Pleat in 1995 managing a football club. Yeah, long after. I suppose his, his best era was when he managed Tottenham Hotspur briefly before he came. He fell foul of some of his uh, weekend leisure pursuits, didn't he? His weaknesses. Mm, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Do we talk about them or is that is that legally viable? Well, it was another era. I mean, you know, he was he was a, he was alleged to curb crawl. He was a pioneer in that sense, I think. <laughs> Does was curb it, crawling it? happen anymore? I mean, nowadays, if you want a prosy, you get it all on an app, don't you? They're just I the click, so, or, yeah. click away. Yeah. Um, you don't have to go through the indignity There's of no jeopardy involved. Is drawing, there? driving slowly along a curbside in King's Cross. Wasn't there something similar with Avram Grant? Uh, Avram Grant was said to was reported to have frequented. A massage parlour, but the, it was heavily it, implied that it was the type where you get a wank off. Wasn't it in an industrial estate or something? Yeah, like that? and his missus <laughs> said was was rung up, and you know that you know that they do these hacks. They ring up and they tell the missus, "How do you feel about the fact that we found out that your husband's going to get wanked off in an industrial estate?" And she was just like, "It's fine. He's a busy man. He needs to relax." <laughs> and you're like, "Hey, go on, have some of that, journalist." <laughs> she oh. said it was nice for him to relax and in fact I don't think it was an industrial estate I think it was inside one of those metal con- metal shipping containers lovely lovely stuff lovely lovely place to have a brothel mm. uh, yeah because you, you know what have you ever been inside a big yellow storage facility no I haven't well I've got a big yellow storage thing I've got a lock up right and when you're in there what you've you got in it oh just Fucking loads of old junk, like stuff that I should just either sell or give away, but it's a hassle. So when you move, you go, well, we'll stick it in storage for now. There's a table and chairs if you're interested. But you're you're saying that to me now. Yeah, but you'll have to get it all the way up to Sunderland. I'm not going to put it's it's in um it's in Southwest London near where I live. Right, okay. So you're going to tell me more about the table and chairs because I'll bring I'll bring you a picture next time. Okay, I'll get a van or something and drive it back up. Um, are you prepared drive. to say how much you pay per month for this storage facility? Uh, I can't remember, but it's about... I downsized about two years ago, right. fitted it all into a smaller, smaller. storage. But and it's, then you can't get to anything it's about it. for, And I always forget the code, so I can never get in it. But anyway, it's about 40 quid a month or something like that. Mm. But um, when you're there, you're always thinking... I mean, for instance, I think if the missus kicks me out and I fall on hard times, I could easily live in this. Yeah. Um, that's the first thing. More people don't do that, actually. Yeah, I mean, with the housing crisis, like it's, access, they're not it? bad. They're clean. They're safe. Yeah. You know, if all you need to do is sleep, the the problem is toilets. But they they, they have toilets there, so you're fine. So, I recently saw a documentary where someone's daughter, someone really famous, their daughter was living in one of them storage. Oh right, so America. it has been done. Yeah. Oh god, who was it? Lionel Richie. Someone like that. Yeah. It was like a soul star or somebody like that. Oh, Kennelly, was it? Oh, this is going to Alexandra O'Neill's daughter. Yeah, we'll see. It was that. Ray Parker Jr. Yeah. No, it wasn't Ray Parker Jr.'s uh, daughter. I'm sure she lives in, in luxury. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, but anyway, you. I suppose what I'm saying is, is surprising. You keep talking because I'm Googling that more it. people 
don't uh, uh, open up whorehouses slash massage parlours in storage facilities. Inside storage but facilities. perhaps it's, it is common. It's not the circles that you and I move in. No, how did we get to that? It was Avram Grant Pleat getting and, a wank off, and, which is uh, not about this season. And David Pleat, curb crawling wasn't about this season, but David Pleat had been appointed manager of Sheffield Wednesday. I can't really remember how they did under him. I remember the Trevor Francis side that preceded it being fantastic. Jerry Lewis. Jerry Lewis's daughter lives Jerry in a storage Lewis's facility. Jerry Lewis's daughter, who he claimed wasn't his daughter, but who looks and talks exactly like him. Yeah. Um, yeah, she was living in a storage facility. Well, good luck to her, I say. Anyway, back to um, the Premier League 1995-96. This, this is it! Uh, this is the season, for me, anyway, when Fantasy Football League went big. Massive. Now, I'd started doing it. Mm. the year or two before when yeah. it was before it was in the Daily Telegraph before it got trendy and it was just this thing it was probably advertised in the back of when Saturday comes you had to you had to send off you had to fill in your form you were put in a league with a bunch of strangers you yeah. get a print out every week yeah. of how your team had done and where you were in this league with all these strangers but if you wanted to do a team change you had to ring up yeah. Fantasy Football HQ yeah. and tell them who you were putting in your team that week it was, you were uh, I devoted a I mean, I was at university during this era, right, in Brighton, and I would say that I devoted, like, a huge proportion of my time, genuinely more time to that, to the management of my fantasy football team, than I did to my degree. Um, and I'm I'm serious, I mean... Did you win it, your league? Uh, I don't think I did. I won it once, but I don't think it was then. It was a few years later. Did, but... Didn't they have, like, three or four leagues per season? It was only for, like, well, you could Well, you could have it? your own league with your own mates, which is I what we did. I didn't have mates that were interested in it. We, we did it. Uh, it was me and my brothers and a few mates, and at the beginning of the season, we would have an auction where you'd get together in a pub, and our mate owned a pub on the old Kent Road, and we would go to this pub, and he'd lay on some rolls and sausages and all that. And it was the best night of the year, every yeah. year. She'd have an auction. We'd get a mate to come and be the auctioneer. And you'd get absolutely spannered. And it would get quite absolutely. moody towards the end. When you're bidding on, bidding on strikers against yeah. each other at the end, it yeah. would get nasty. But, uh, yeah, you had to ring up on a Friday and, and, like, you know, say you wanted to swap Andy Cole for Stan Collymore and all of this. It was tremendously exciting. We did that. We did that as well. But... We did the auction and everything, but what when we started doing the auctions, it was when the Daily Telegraph started running it, so they would yeah. print the scores every week. Yeah. And Muggins here was in charge of writing down everyone's scores. Classic Dawson. Yeah, Always be- the one who gets lumbered with, with the, the admin. The admin yeah. yeah. This is even before the internet, so I don't even know how we told everyone. Cursed by your own work ethic and efficiency. Yeah, exactly. So I had to write out all the scores for everybody once a week. But the auctions were brilliant, but they were usually in our mate's house. We couldn't afford to hire a pub or a ballroom, yeah. whatever it was you, you did downstairs. Yeah, yeah. But we did it in my mate's house. And one year, one of my mates brought along some really incredibly strong skunk <laughs> that was rolled up and, and smoked later in the evening. And you accidentally signed David Howes for £10 million pounds as a <laughs> yeah. result. <laughs> well, he was the only... This, this lad I brought along was the only one who was kind of well-versed in in that kind of substance, mm-hmm. and I think he brought it along specifically to nobble the rest to of us. See, yeah, because <laughs> skunk was quite new then as yeah, well. It had it only was. just come out. It was. So we'd started the auction. It was all going well, and about halfway through, he pulled out the skunk, and he was like, "Come on, let's all have a little bit of this." Oh, By which God. point, we were all like rolling about the floor, hallucinating, and he, <laughs> and he, and he was mopping up all the bastard, all the, all the, all the bargain buys. Yeah, he ends up buying Shearer for hundred thousand yeah, pounds. Exactly, the bastard. Tell you what, let's have some music. Oh, 
that's Waterfalls by TLC and All Right by Supergrass. Of course, Britpop was coming into its pomp. There was a real Britpop anthem there, then, All Right by Supergrass. Did course, you like that when it came out? Yeah, I did, but it got on my nerves after a while. It's, yeah, it's, it's that bit. sort of song. Now, the other one, right? Yeah. Um, Waterfalls. TLC Waterfalls, a great song. Work so genius. It is a really great name drop, right? Go on. Then. So I was doing a, a radio show for Talk Radio last November, and for reasons that are just boring, not interested in it, it was live from Brian Eno's house. You've got me already. Right. So I'm at Brian. What, what, what are the reasons? We need to well, know what the Bri- Brian Eno is involved in a sort of a think tank slash charity called Economy that is designed to, you know, make economics sort of more accessible and understandable to ordinary idiots like us, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so he thinks that people can be better informed. And he's a patron of it. And they were doing a big event with a load of speakers. And I went along to my radio show from there because there was a lot of famous sort of speakers there who I was going to interview and I was going to cover this event and because you get to go and Brian Eno's but house. the main reason by a mile <laughs> when they are you know I got asked to do these sorts of things quite often you go no nah, I can't be bothered and then it's like it's a oh by the way it's at Brian Eno's I said I'll be there so we do a three-hour live radio show from Brian Eno's house when we're setting up we get there and his assistant lets us in and Brian Eno's not there yet then he turns up and knocks on the door and I answer the door to him <laughs> and I've never met him and I answered the door and said ah Brian <laughs> Welcome to my wonderful home, <laughs> which he just looked at me weirdly, didn't laugh at all, and just walked past me. <laughs> but anyway, while we, he'd been up M&S Simply Food, and he had two carrier bags, and he came in, and he, he was so sweet, he starts laying out bottles of beer and mini sausages and, and crisps nice. that he'd bought for the attendees of this sort of fairly intimate sort of event. Swarry. Yeah. I'm in the corner setting up the old radio equipment, with Mark, who's uh, uh, helping us produce this show today. And uh, he keeps going, Brian Eno's getting ready, and he's going, stick some music on. And we're over in the corner of this sort of room where he has all his stereo and that, and all his records and CDs. Stick some music on. Someone stick some bloody music on. It's too quiet in here. Let's get the atmosphere going. So everyone's intimidated because Brian Eno is asking you to choose some music. And I go, what's we put? And he goes, choose anything. Choose anything. I've got everything over there, right? And, of course, the That's range like... of music. There's like, I mean, oh, shit, man. I've got to put... What are we going to put on? It's not, it's us lot from the radio, and there's a few of his assistants and a few people from this charity. Some ambient and, Hungarian and you, choir exactly, music. Exactly. You're thinking it's got to be like jazz music from Uganda or something yeah. like that. And so we kind of bottle it. And in the end, he comes over. He goes, fuck's sake. Why isn't anyone putting any music on? So I go, I think everyone's a bit intimidated. So he said to me, all right. Do you want to hear? He goes through his CDs. He goes, don't bother with the vinyl. It's only worth using CDs. They're the ones that sound good, which I thought was funny and amusing right from the beginning. He goes, now, do you want to hear the greatest bass line in the history of pop music? And I went, yes, I do. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what the fuck? What's he going to put on? And he puts on Waterfalls by TLC. Which is obviously any right-minded person would already regard that as one of the greatest pop soul hits of all time. Yep. So already, you know, he's got out Crazy Sexy Cool, that album. And I'm like, this is one of my favourite albums. And he's like, yeah. And he's put on Waterfalls. 
And he said, listen to this bass line. He goes, it makes no sense. And he explained to me why it was special. Did he have any skunk? I didn't fucking understand. <laughs> I had not a clue. But I was like, listen, if you're telling me it's the best bass line ever, I'm, I'm, and he tells me all about the bassist. He goes, I heard this song the first time. I became obsessed with the guy. I started looking for all his other work. I lo- uh, you know, and he's, done, he's played for this guy and that guy, and he's the best bassist in the world. And... And he, he broke down why it was exciting, but I wasn't really listening. It was like when you pull over and ask for directions and then someone tells you directions, you don't listen. But it was exciting to know. And I would, you know, encourage everyone to listen back on this podcast to that track we just played. Uh, he said nothing about the bass line to All Right by Supergrass. Nothing at all. I'm going to play the clip again that we played then so we can have a listen again. There we are. Waterfalls, TLC. The best bass line in the history of music, according to Brian Eno. Yeah. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Speaking of um, complicated geniuses, Eric Cantona came back into the Premier League in October mm. after his eight-month ban for kicking a man in the face for wearing a tie at a football match. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Simmons. Uh, he came back and Manchester United drew 2-2 with Liverpool. Cantona set one up in about the third minute, I think, for Nicky Butt to score. Nicky Butt, of course, regarded as the best player in the world ever by none other than Pele. Pele. Mm. Nicky Butt, really, is kind of like the baseline from Waterfalls. He is, yeah. That's and what Pele, Pele said. Pele is Brian Eno in yeah. this story, mm. and it all fits together, doesn't it? So that was that. Um, Did, have you seen that film, The Class of 92, about yeah. those plays? The best story in it is when, I think, Gary Neville tells the story of when Nicky Butt was a, a little tyke, wasn't he, around yeah. the training ground, and he... And and Peter Schmeichel, being Danish, walked everywhere naked. Because <laughs> you know, that's what Scandinavians do, don't they? And, of course, they all found that quite strange and amusing. Yeah. And so Nicky Butt, when he was quite young, heated up a kettle until it was red hot and then secretly placed it behind Peter Schmeichel while he was naked, then tapped Peter Schmeichel on the shoulder so he turned round and scorched his cock. <laughs> And it's the way that um, 
either Ryan Giggs or Gary Neville tells this story. He says he's turned round, it's burnt his cock, and he's gone, What are you doing? <laughs> and then, and then <laughs> naked, chased Nicky Butt around the training ground, like yeah. with his burnt cocks dangling yeah. around everywhere it's quite an image isn't it it certainly is did he have the kettle in his hand to, 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 to hand out some restorative justice or <laughs> I don't know we'll never I don't know. know if he burnt his cock back which yeah. is the only fair retribution it's, it's an eye for an eye it's an eye for an eye mm. exactly um, up in the northeast as well it wasn't just all about Newcastle because Middlesbrough signed Janinho oh, the diminutive Brazilian 22 year old and um, his English was almost as good as Brian Robson's, I remember, <laughs> when in the press conference when they signed him. But, of course, that was the year before Ravenelli came and Emerson and all of that stuff. Because mm, so they came the after He was the canary 96. in the mine. Yeah, he was the canary in the mine <laughs> yeah. regarding Teesside. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one thing coming to England. They've gone, his agent's gone, what do you think about going to England? Goes, well, I don't know, it's rainy. Mind you, Harrods might get to meet the Queen. You know, great, yeah, I could go down mm. Bond Street, buy some fancy clothes, fine, I'll do it. Yeah. Then he rocks up in bloody Middlesbrough. Yeah. And he's and livid. There's just chemical smog everywhere. Yeah. What is Fucking this? Fucking freezing. It's the worst away game, I think, Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough. Yeah. yeah um, mate of mine went to see Middlesbrough play Sunderland a few years ago, and, and the home fans just pelted our fans with bricks. <laughs> <laughs> from, a, from a bridge that we all had to walk underneath. So. A lot of hatred between... Well, we're not that bothered because it's not our derby. Our derby's Newcastle. Yeah. But Middlesbrough seem to think that it's it's an important... Oh, it's one but of those. I don't know what their, their derby is. Hartlepool? Pff, I don't know. Not it's the way we feel about teams like Palace. Yeah. Well, the Palace derby's Brighton, isn't it? Yeah, I know. The stra- Palace about? really struggle for a derby. So their fans have decided they really have great... There's great animosity They're between them and West Ham. And it's like, no, there's not. Come on, let's be honest. We're nowhere near each other. They're overcompensating in that Brighton thing. Yeah. They really get into it because, yeah. what was there 60 miles between them or something like that? Fucking miles away. Jesus Christ. This, this is, is it! Right, so what else have we got happening early season? Duncan Ferguson went to jail. Duncan there was a, jail. You don't get as many players going to jail anymore, do you? Because really. in, in this era... There was a fair few. I mean, Tony Adams was in jail in the 90s. Yeah. Um, Duncan Ferguson, Mickey Quinn. Um, there was a decent... What did Mickey j- Quinn go to prison for? Can't remember, but he did go to prison. Did he? I don't remember that. Mm. Mickey Thomas went to prison. Yeah. The Mickey Thomas? Let me just check that, because I know Mickey Quinn, so I don't want to... And I wouldn't mess with Mickey Quinn either, so no, I, ju- no. I just need to double-check that it's true, because I'm pretty sure he told me that, because we once were talking uh, on TalkSport about the best prison 11. Um, and he put himself in it. <laughs> so yeah, he did. Mickey Quinn, prison, breaching a driving ban. Yeah, there you go, Quinny. So yeah, it was it was an era of of players in prison. I think Duncan Ferguson was jailed just for being Duncan Ferguson. I think that was the charge. Well, I think that was probably the correct course of action. I don't think that was a what is it hole in the floor kangaroo hole court in the floor, justice kangaroo court justice as George Graham would have described justice it. hole in the corner November Newcastle was storming the league they were five points clear by November I think they won something like nine out of their ten first game the first ten games with um, 
obviously with Ferdinand playing, and they brought in Ginola. Ginola was in. Joined the same summer. Rob Lee went on from strength to strength. Gillespie, of course, had arrived to play on the opposite wing to Ginola as part of the Andy Cole deal. Warren Barton came in as well from Wimbledon. They had Barry Warren Venison. Barton, and and the other fullback was. Beresford, yeah. who looked similar to one run. They did that then getting two similar-looking fullbacks, which I always think is a, a good policy. Yeah, they, they were both very, very blonde. blonde. Peroxide they, they, blonde. They'd replaced Barry Venison. And Barry Venison. King of the blondes, was wasn't very he, Very really? blonde, yeah. And uh, Philippe Albert. Yeah. Philippe, Philippe Albert. Everyone knows his, his name. name. And he was... Uh, Alongside he, Darren Peacock. He was a... Uh, very talented defender, wasn't he? He scored a few worldies as well. He did, but was he a great defender? I don't know. We'll find out later mm, on in this mm, podcast as Newcastle's mm. title challenge unravels horribly. Um, Alan Shearer became the first player to reach 100 Premier League goals. Yeah, We haven't really spoken much about Alan Shearer because what is there to say about Alan Shearer as Not a footballer? Yeah. He scored loads of goals, didn't he? Yeah, he just scored loads of goals, that's it. All types of goals, but you know, that, that's Long basically shots, it. tappings, headers, the lot. Um, Dennis Bergkamp started slow. It took him eight games to get his first goal for Arsenal. And let's not forget, the manager who signed Dennis Bergkamp for Arsenal was not Arsene Wenger, was not George Graham. It was, of course, Bruce Rioch. Footballing visionary. Bruce Rioch. Bruce Rioch, who had uh, pulled up trees at um, Norwich City and uh, therefore found himself in Bolton. Oh, was it Bolton? Yeah. Oh, he went to Norwich maybe he'd, after he'd, Arsenal. He got Bolton promoted into the Premier League, but hadn't yeah. actually managed in the Premier League. And Arsenal made him their manager, which is a bit... Really weird It's decision. like Arsenal giving Gary Rowett the job. Such a weird decision. I mean, I read Ian Wright's uh, biography recently, autobiography recently, which is a really good book, actually. And uh, he, said, you know, he just describes how bewildered the players were when Bruce Bruce Rio came like they just couldn't understand it at all you know they'd won this was a squad most of them had won two titles yeah but he didn't last long did he he's kind of like a stepdad that tries to court favour with with the kids (laughs) by buying them like a really like a bike or a skateboard or something he brought them Dennis Bergkamp to try and ingratiate himself to them but it didn't really work didn't work they still had him out and he was gone for Wenger one year later um, into January, Newcastle were 12 points clear by this point, by mid-January. So what did they do? They went out and bought Faustino Aspria. Yeah, this was where the problem started. This is when the wheels came off. I mean, really, we mentioned him, I think, in the last one, but the type of player they should have bought was someone like Steve Stone, who could play in the middle, he could play on the right-hand side, dependable, yeah. English, knew the league. He probably would have helped, you know, stiffen them in midfield and took them over the line to win the league. But no, Keegan went and bought Faustino Aspria. So when did they buy David Batty? Was that the next season they signed David Batty to try and assure things up? Um, I think it might have been. I've got yeah, a feeling that they might have bought Batty around the same time as Aspria. No, it wasn't because Batty was fighting on the pitch with Lasso, I think, that season. Right. When Blackburn were in the Champions League. I'd have to have a look and see when, when Batty signed. But they eventually had to, but it was too late. Because before that, I think they'd had Venison playing in... Centre mid. Centre mid. Alongside Lee Clark. Yeah. So that was a gap in the team. And and Keegan obviously thought to himself, I've got a, I, I think we're going to win the league, but just to be certain, let's sign this maverick Colombian. But, you know, these were the days when we all used to watch uh, the old Football Italia on Channel 4 at the weekend. And Aspria was such an exciting player. 
I don't think there had been any foreigner signed by an English club that was seemed as an exciting as exciting was, a prospect. There, there wasn't any kind of wild card like a spree yeah. that we'd had before or yeah. possibly even since. It was wonderful. Insane. I was I was in the company of a Newcastle player, former Newcastle player from that time recently, and he told me a story about Espria. Um They were on the team coach heading south to an away game, and obviously the, they would usually watch a video on the screen that yeah. was on the bus, and uh, somehow Espria had taken control of the video player <laughs> and put in what could at best be described as a porn film. Yes. So they're driving down the motorway with this porn film on the screen. <laughs> Keegan gets wind of it eventually and panics. Oh. And I bet Keegan's because, never seen a porno either, poor, because poor you've, got, you've got Newcastle fans driving alongside the coach and waving to the players through the window and all this. <laughs> and up on the TV, there's a porn film being played out. So Keegan scrabbles across to the, the video player, pulls out the tape, and uh, a spree is sitting there laughing to himself, pointing up at the screen and going, <laughs> my wife! <laughs> my wife! <laughs> Just imagine. <sighs> oh, God. Warren Barton sat there. He doesn't know where to look. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Festino Espria. Um, it was, like you said earlier, it was the precursor to Euro 96. Mm. And Terry Venables was actually told in January 96 he wasn't going to get a contract extension beyond Euro 96. That was a dick move, wasn't it, by the FA? That's, I was going to try and think of a phrase to describe it, and mm. I think dick move. Yeah. Um, you couldn't have put it any better, really. Yeah. Um, it didn't matter how well England were going to do in Euro 96. Venables was gone, regardless. Was it in Viz where they always called him Terry Vegetables? Probably. But yeah. anyway, it's good Good to call Terry Venables Terry Vegetables. Um, so, yeah, Venables was gone. But he went into it. I don't, but then again, it didn't affect him. If anything, England were at their very best in, in that tournament. So who knows? Uh, but the stupid thing was, was that having performed so well in Euro 96 and some, coming so close to winning it, they should have. it would have been nice to have kept him on. Yeah, they already announced Glenn Hoddle by then. Yeah. Hoddle, I think it was in March or April, Hoddle said, yes, I'll do it. So, you know, Chelsea knew that Hoddle was going to piss off. And, of course, Rude Hullett took over. Sexy foreigners! So sexy. That is the, the theme of this season, mm. really, isn't it? Um, this is the... When I said at the beginning it was the best Premier League season, I think it's hard to pinpoint why, but I think maybe I should revise it and say it was the sexiest. Yeah. It was the sexiest ever And therefore, by definition, it was the best. Yeah. Because yeah, because the sex, sexier the better. What's better than sexiness? Nothing. Right, let's have some sexy music then, shall we? Can I touch you, man? Touch your deep inside Can I touch your heart The way you're touching mine Can I touch you back Touch your deep within oh. That's Michael Bolton, and can I touch you there? But he was never specific about where he meant. Yeah, I don't know. It was a part of the body or a, a, a geographical location. And as so well, can in the I title touch you the, in Swindon? Yeah, in the, 
in the title of the song, it's Can I Touch You dot 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 there question oh. mark, which just makes it sound even more creepier than yeah, it was to really start creepy. with. I imagine him in the video having a doll and sitting in front of a woman. Yeah. And pointing at different parts of the doll. Yeah. And saying, Can I touch you there? And she silently shakes <laughs> and her head. And he's got a checklist. And then he says, Can I off. touch you there? Yeah. No. Or if you're if you're right, your other theory, he actually just had a map yeah. of Britain or America mm-hmm. and was just pointing to different places. Do you think he had one of those little th- those sticks that push the counters around on a map? Like a table map like, like they have during Dad's a war? Like Dad's army, yeah. Yeah. And he, Probably he would that. push... He'd have maybe like a little tiny... Well, that's how I plan a night of intercourse with my wife. He's got a little Michael. Would it be nations or would it be the UK, do you think? What I or do with my wife yeah. is I have a map of the UK, but it's representative of her body. Right. And we know that, like, sort of Scotland is her head, her right. face. Yep. The islands, the Hebrides, is like her hair. Okay. Um, which is relevant. Uh Ireland is her bum. <laughs> the northwest is her tits. Mm. The Midlands, the, <laughs> yeah, Midlands is her tummy. Right, and her legs are represented by Devon and Cornwall. Okay, and London is, of course. <laughs> I don't think you need to say yeah. where London is. <laughs> <laughs> we're all men of the world here we've all got an imagination and anyway that's how and then at the beginning of our and have you got one of those sticks that you push, yeah push I get in? a stick and she says where I can and can't push my soldiers to okay <laughs> within the, the, the warfare of love listen if you're a married man of some years then you're listening to this and you're looking for a way of managing sex life into your <laughs> in, into your middle age then I can recommend it have you ever been to the Watford Gap <laughs> <laughs> Only on my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> what was the other song we just listened to? The other song that we had there was The Beatles, Free as a Bird. The Beatles got back together yeah. in uh, 1995, Lennon 96, from Beyond the was. Grave. Lennon from Beyond the Grave. On I, um, a tape I actually bought found. that on CD single. I did as well because it was The Beatles. Yeah, it was like, exactly. Fucking hell, the Beatles really are exciting. back. And, and I actually was... still reckon it's quite a good song. Yeah. Yeah. It is, and the one they did afterwards, Real Love, mm. that's pretty good as well. Yeah. They should have carried on. They should have. I, I think they quit too early. I think they did. They peaked. Mm. So that was the Beatles, and that was Michael Bolton, and uh, and that's the, the sexual map of Great Britain covered as well. Yeah. What else have we got going on, 95, 96? Um, well, there was some real fantastic... Um, well, there was, of course, a classic game. Uh, remains arguably the classic of all time. Yep. Just another reason why it was the sexiest season ever. Liverpool 4, Newcastle 3. There was. Yeah, this was just as the wheels were really beginning to come off for Newcastle. They were 3-2 up at Anfield at one point, and it was Colin Moore that scored that that classic winner, where the the cameras actually shook. Such was the the vibrations in the stand. Absolutely And then you've got Kevin Keegan hanging over the advertising, whoring. Yeah. In absolute despair. Yeah. Um, Bolton. Bolton Wanderers, they were promoted the season before, and of course Bruce Raker took them up and then pissed off the Arsenal. Yeah. Colin Todd took over from Bruce Raker because Colin Todd was, you know, like Russian dolls. Yeah. If you opened up Bruce Raker, Colin Russian Todd was Todd, inside. Colin Todd would be inside. Yeah. Um, he took over from Roy McFarland, uh, who, I think who they, refuses to be acknowledged as a Russian doll. It's it's in his contract. I think that they were joint managers, Todd and McFarland. Yeah, for a I while. think they were mm. actually. Yeah, Todd and McFarland. They were also released some great 80s soul <laughs> records, didn't they? <laughs> yeah. Ain't no bit... stopping us now. 
They were, they were Hall and Orta, weren't they? Yeah, Todd Fadden and Whitehead. Yeah. They accidentally, Bolton accidentally, for three weeks, much like the Luther Blissett-John Barnes mix-up at AC Milan, uh, <laughs> Bolton were managed for three weeks by Soldio McFadden and Whitehead. <laughs> um, and they actually did surprisingly well. They, yeah, two, they, two wins and a draw, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Just missed out on manager. In the, the end, they had to go because they hadn't done their badges. Yeah. <laughs> rules is rules. Yeah. Um, and that... Colin Todd taking over from McFarland was the only managerial change of 95-96. Wow. Following the mayhem that we had in 94-95 yeah. when everyone swapped jobs. There was November. no merry-go-round. There was no merry-go-round. It was it was literally the banana slide this time. Mm. And Colin Todd was the king of the banana slide. This, this is it! Newcastle, as we said, it started all go wrong for Newcastle. They lost five games out of eight in one spell, including that 1-0 defeat at home against Manchester United. Um, whereas United, as we're calling them, are we calling them United? Yeah, I've got no problem with that. Uh, they went on a run of five wins and a draw, and Cantona scored in every game in that six After game his spell. massive ban, he came round and stuck two fingers up to the authorities yeah. by having the absolute piss and winning the league. Pretty much single-handed. Yeah. But flanked by six 20-year-olds. I remember in that game that you spoke about earlier where he came back and scored one and made one in his first game back. I remember watching that in a pub in Brighton and he, he, uh, he, after scoring the penalty, I think it was, he ran over to the crowd and grabbed hold of a pole. Did, Do you remember swung, that? He swung around and the he pole. And he spun yeah. around it like a sexy pole dancer. Yeah. I'm back. Yeah. Have said, a look at this. Yeah. <laughs> Flashing his arse to the, yeah. to the Man United yeah. fans. Uh, um, two we- classic manager meltdowns. Of course, one being... The all-time classic, yeah, um, which overshadows one that might otherwise still be regarded as one of the best. Oh, it's a beaut, this one, yeah. Uh, Ron Atkinson, Ron Atkinson having a meltdown at Keys and Gray, yeah. who'd been critiquing his his Coventry side's performance, That's right. and uh, he goes, "You can sit there and play with your silly machines all you like," which they did. Yeah, yes, oh, of course they did, and spent uh, a lot of money on them. In the end, he threw, as he walked off and said, thanks very much, lads, see you later, he threw his microphones, and I believe they hit, was it Jeff Shreves? It might have been. There was definitely someone that was affected because, you know, he, he had that tough guy bravado because he was doing the flounce. Yeah. And then as he threw the microphone, he realised he'd hit someone, and he kind of like, oh, sorry, sorry, mate. So um, <laughs> that, killed, that killed the vibe Hard men don't apologise. No, exactly. Found him out there, didn't we? And then, of course, uh, Kevin Keegan. Yeah. The greatest uh, meltdown of all time. Yeah. Live on TV. Mm. And it was that same season then that Ferguson and Keegan had shared a laugh and a joke. They had. And then in the season, how yeah. quickly things turned sour between yeah. them because Ferguson had manipulated Kevin Keegan. Got inside his mind, hadn't he? Got inside his Beautiful mind. Beautiful but childlike mind. Because yeah. that, that's the thing about Kevin Keegan. He he's a dreamer. Just, he's a child, isn't he? He's a he? dreamer. And yeah. that is both his strength and his weakness. Yeah. He's a little child. And that's, Ferguson that, saw that. That's why when you told me the story about a spreer in the porno video, <laughs> I felt awful for Kevin Keegan. Yeah. Because it's like you wouldn't show a porno to a child. And nor no, should you show one to Kevin Keegan. No. Because Kevin Keegan would not have had the capacity to compute what the hell was going on. He'd no. have found it upsetting and traumatising. And who's to say that wasn't one of the reasons why he, the team did collapse? Perhaps it wasn't the signing of a Spreer that, it was, that led, led it all to it collapse. Was it was a Spreer putting the porno on the bus. Yeah, in-flight porno yeah, session. that's probably what it was then. So, so we've, we've, we've cleared that up. So that's why for, uh, Keegan ended up losing it and, and really... 
you know, Alex Ferguson uh, rather like Hannibal Lecter Mm -hmm. when Hannibal Lecter basically forces the guy in the cell next to him to kill himself just by talking to him. (laughs) He just gets, he climbs inside a man's mind (laughs) and and destroys it from the inside. inside. And that is what Alex Ferguson did to Kevin Keegan. Alex Ferguson is the Hannibal Lecter of the Premier League, 95-96. He's got to go to Middlesbrough and get something. I mean, have you fucking been to Middlesbrough? There's nothing to be got from There's them. not much you can get there. And Chicken parmos are quite nice. What you do get, you end up needing a big penicillin injection to get rid of. I'm not going to comment on that because I live too close to Middlesbrough mm. and there could be some you know, some feedback that I don't want. So, <laughs> eventually, as we said, it all went wrong for Manchester United. Sorry for Newcastle United. Manchester United, of course, won the league in the end by four points. Uh, across the city, Alan Ball. Little titchy Alan Ball, who we mm. referred to at the beginning. It all went wrong for him. City got relegated and the season ended with um, Alan Ball telling his players to hang on to a 2-2 draw against Liverpool because that would be enough to keep them up. (laughs) Meanwhile, you had Niall Quinn who realised that it wasn't going to be enough and he was offering different advice from the touchline. Niall Quinn was playing in the game? he or was he on the bench? He'd gone off. He'd been substituted. So he had worked out. I mean, this Alan Ball does not come out that looking good at all, does he? No, he doesn't. And City got relegated uh, on goal difference, and the team that stayed up in their place, Matt Letizia, Southampton. Of course it was. Balls old club. They really were just, uh, I mean, yeah, there is an irony in that, but they were the the ultimate, if if someone can think of a a better example of a one-man team than Southampton in the mid-90s, I'd be interested to know. No, I don't think there was one. Because it was only him who kept them up season after season, because the rest of the team was all like... Possibly Maradona's Napoli. Yeah, and perhaps his Argentina team as well. Yeah, but no, it was it was Leticia in his pomp, um, and that is pretty much ninety five, ninety six. Uh, Liverpool finished third. Um, Bruce Riox Arsenal finished fifth, and relegated was Manchester City, Queens Park Rangers, and Poole Bolton Wanderers. Listen to the films of nineteen ninety five. All right. right, just while we're here, and we like to talk about other things that were going on in the era. Okay, all of these films came out in 1995. So you had Britpop was going on. There was some great music in the charts. You had the sexiest football season of all time going on. And as if we weren't, as a nation, entertained enough by all of those things, Mm -hmm. at the movies, if you could find time (laughs) in between all the other fantastic stuff, you could have gone in one year to see Seven, Goldeneye, Toy Story, Heat, The Usual Suspects, Clueless, Casino. <laughs> right? I love Casino. Casino's a great film. Casino's a 12 inch remix of Goodfellas. Basketball Diaries. Right? Great film with Leon, young Leonardo DiCaprio. Dangerous Minds with Michelle Pfeiffer playing a sexy teacher oh, in a oh, failing oh, oh. inner city school. Something for everyone there. Mal Rats, uh, Friday with Ice Cube, Babe, fucking oh, Talking babe, Pig, yeah. Get Shorty, remember that? Yeah. Great film. And uh, there's others too, which are also quite good. But and just 78% those... of those films were exec produced by Harvey Weinstein. Yeah, and so. And therefore are now. Now, of course, you can't watch them. Ineligible to be watched can't watch them now by sex so I hope you saw them at the time because you if not they've now. all been deleted 
Just like um, the films of Woody Allen. But can you believe that? What a, That's a hell of a crop. It's an amazing crop in one year. And I wonder what won the Oscar in 96 then for best film. I bet it wasn't any of them. It was probably fucking Dances with Wolves, like it was every year. Oscar, best picture, 1996. <laughs> Annie Lennox, best female vocalist yeah. every Oh, fairground attraction. Best picture, fucking Braveheart. Fucking Do Braveheart. Do us a favour. I don't mean I've ever even seen Braveheart. I can't be. I can't be watching Mel Gibson play playing a Scot. Doesn't make any sense to me. Like but, cocker spaniels. Yeah, chasing pieces of silver paper across the wind. I didn't even the mention. Justice. I didn't even mention while you were sleeping a film about Sandra Bullock falling in love with a man who's in a coma, who she's never met. Now that's What's not that right, called? is it? While you were sleeping. Oh right. She's in a hospital. And How do you fall in love with someone who's well, in a coma? It's like it's borderline necrophilia, mate. Isn't it? She's seen a geezer who's lying there. To all intents and purposes, he is dead. And she's falling in love with him. And when she wakes up, she gets off with him. It's At, at best, it's shallow. Because she's just dealing with what she sees and not what's inside his mind well, yeah. and inside his heart. Because that's where a true person lies. It doesn't matter what someone looks like. Yeah, they could right. be short, they yeah. could be fat, they could mm. n- not have much hair and a big nose. Mm. But that doesn't matter. That makes yeah, them... Right. A, they could still be a nice person, you're, Sam. You're, you're right, mate. You're right. You're absolutely right. Thanks, and Sam. that's... You're right. And we'll, we'll end the podcast. Have you got any more you want to add? Um, Culturally? Mortal Kombat. Desperado. And Waterworld, a film that was a famous flop, but when I was at Universal Studios recently, mm-hmm. I went to the Waterworld stunt show, which is still going strong. Irons giving the and it, <laughs> it is fucking the most exhilarating show of any form I have ever attended. Well, there you go. Mm. And we're going to go from that high to the low of saying goodbye forever to mm. Bob Paisley, oh, who sadly shuffled off yeah. in his carpet slippers for the yeah. last time in 1995-96. And that is the end of that season, and we'll be back with another podcast soon enough where we'll cover, believe it or not, 96.97. You can follow us on Twitter at uh, TF Time Machine. And I've got nothing more to add if you haven't. No, I mean, yeah, just follow us there and, um, you know, keep thinking click, about the 90s click, click as much as Click on subscribe. I think you have to click on subscribe. Click on subscribe for fuck's sake because we are quite high in the iTunes charts and only Adam Buxton is, is besting us. Yeah, as that, far that as was I'm... for about half an hour last oh, okay. month. All right. Well, really it doesn't matter because now. you've got the screen grab while it's lasted. Yeah. Okay. We have. Thanks, everyone, and goodbye. Bye. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go, here we go. This is it. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. 
Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code Program.